0: Trust the movement. I negate the chaos. Uplift the negative. I'll show up at the table again,
1: and again. Welcome to Grassroot Ohio, conversations with everyday people working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with Rita Holliveld and Carissa Roberts, organizers for the DSA, Democratic Socialists of America, Central Ohio Child Care for All Initiative. Rita Halaveld, she, her, is passionate about community building and organizing with an eye toward addressing the root causes of issues. With a background in social work, she previously worked as a mental health therapist for a decade, first in a community-based work and then in private practice. A single parent of a preschooler, Rita currently dedicates her spare time to organizing with Columbus DSA's child care campaign and volunteers on the board of a summer camp. She is an outdoor enthusiast with hiking and rock climbing among her favorite activities. Carissa Roberts, she, they, grew up in Upper Arlington and attended the Ohio State University studying Spanish linguistics. As a childhood trauma and relationship abuse survivor with chronic mental health issues, she is passionate about pursuing collective solutions to systemic issues that impact our individual lives. Carissa joined the Columbus DSA child care campaign to advance feminist, racial, and economic justice through prioritizing the needs of children, parents, and early childhood educators at a local level here in Central Ohio. Outside of the child care campaign, she is also a dedicated volunteer with the Central Ohio Housing Action Network, helping to connect tenants facing eviction in Franklin County with legal resources. Last week at the Ohio Education Association March, I met Rita and asked her why she was marching. She shared her Child Care for All campaign with me, and I think we all will benefit to learn more about this need and their campaign's proposed solutions. Welcome, both of you.
0: Thank you. We're glad to be here.
1: So I am curious what brought each one of you into activism. What got got you started? Let's start with you, Rita.
0: Sure. Um, I, I have long had an interest in the kind of systemic macro level policy issues, especially as they relate to mental health. And when, when the pandemic hit and everything shut down in March of 2020, I found myself without childcare, um, had a two year old at the time, which is uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot to deal with. And um, so, as as I was seeing all of the impacts of not having childcare, um, the additional uprisings regarding racial justice and police violence, I thought I wanted to be able to do something. And so, I joined the local chapter of the DSA um, that seemed like the best fit for my my political um, and and social. Ideals and and my humanist ethics, and figured that would be a good place to to get started in in activism. And so it's been a little bit a little bit here and there. And maybe about a year ago, I was reading um, reading a book called *Crawling Behind*. Forgetting the name of the author at the moment, uh, but it is all about the state of childcare, early childhood in the United States. And that really prompted me to try to pull people together to do something about making affordable childcare a reality here.
1: All right. How about you, Carissa? Sure.
2: So I think I, I recognized a lot of my story and what Rita was saying. So I echo a lot of it, but um, certainly I was a lot slower, I think, to wanting to get involved I've always cared about doing service and helping people and volunteering, um, but I've never, or for a long time, I didn't really have an eye towards um, systemic issues. And so I, when I had, I've had mental health issues for a long time and I experienced a mental health crisis a few years ago and I kind of rebuilt my life um, trying to figure out what I actually want to orient towards, what is important to me, what do I value? Um, and increasingly, I recognize that that being a voice and contributing to larger efforts that, that seek collective solutions to these problems that, you know, I, I ended up in a therapy room, but some people end up in a jail cell, wherever some people fight it and don't, don't cope with having these difficulties. And so for me, I really felt it was important to get involved in activism because I now have this kind of language to describe um, that what I experienced and what my family experienced and the kind of pressures that were on my family in order to afford having children and growing up and particularly in Upper Arlington, which is, it was hard for them to make ends meet as single parents, divorced. um, that increasingly, I, I recognize that many people are facing these pressures and, and in ways that oftentimes is difficult even to articulate. So I, I got involved with Columbus DSA because that, I think, closely matched my own political leanings. And um, I wanted to get involved in childcare uh, because I think there's so much that we can do to help children that that give them hopeful outcomes um, in a way that the the class pressures of society make it very difficult for certain kinds of people, um, such as single parents, such as people of color, to to be able to afford having children and to be, be able to care for their children in ways that other families can.
1: All right, well, and you're so young, both of you, and you're wise at a young age. So what was the exact, do you remember the exact aha moment where you said, okay, I'm going to start organizing. Do you remember that moment or did it just kind of, um, kind of grow, grow on you? What about you, Carissa? Um, Carissa, I can't hear you. No, let's go with Rita and we'll, sure. and then we'll get back to you. Could it be your, your iPhone, your earphones? Go ahead, Rita. That's fine. Yeah. Um,
0: I, I don't think there was one particular aha moment. It kind of, the pressure sort of built. Um, when George Floyd was murdered and all of the protests arose around the country, um, that was definitely a moment that I ended up, I was able to arrange, my child wasn't with me, she was with friends, and I was able to get involved in some of those protests. And through the course of that and meeting some other people who've been organizing for a long time, I, I thought, you know, I've got, I've got some time right now, I want to do something. And then, then reading that, that book Crawling Behind, um, just sort of highlighted for me that there's a major policy issue that, that has such big ramifications. And it's hard to find the time, but I had um, another, there was another DSA member um, that I was spending a lot of time with who said that some of the most effective organizers that he's ever known have been single parents. And that phrase just kind of stuck with me and kept coming back as I was was reading and thinking about things and wanting to make a difference. Um, and so I thought, well, I might as well try, <laughs> see what can happen. And I'll learn a lot along the way and hopefully be able to build a bigger movement. Excellent. Carissa,
1: can we hear you? No. Oh, no. <laughs> what happened right in, the, in, in that short term? We lost you somehow. I have That's no idea. You, I didn't touch. There you are. You're, You're back. now. Me?
2: Okay. You're back. I, I removed my, my other recording device. I don't know. I didn't touch anything. So no uh, worries. Just tell me, <laughs> do you say, remember your aha moment? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, I, for me, I was really scared to get involved in organizing. Um, I, a lot of my own fears and shames and it, it was quite countercultural to the family that I came from. And, and actually, and it's quite dark, but my cousin died by suicide towards the end of 2020. And for me, that I think that gave me some kind of permission to live my life on my terms. Yes. Um, and, and say, you know what, this is really scary for me. Um, but I'm going to try and I'm going to have that courage. Um, And I'm going to live how I want to and, and how
1: I think people want me to. I respect that so much. All right. Let's, according to your literature that Rita sent to me, it's quote here. We believe that every worker deserves a living wage. Every child deserves to be nurtured and all families deserve to be supported and thrive. What is the reality in central Ohio right now? Let's start with you, Rita.
0: Yeah, um, so there's, there has long been a, a, a difficulty to afford childcare, um, And we do hear some politicians talking about that. Um, and there are some initiatives, there's publicly funded child care, but that only covers, that only provides support for, for families that live at or below 142% of the federal poverty level. And there are not enough center-based slots to cover all of the children that that are in, just in Franklin County alone. Um, I haven't paid very much attention to the entire state, but just in Franklin County, um, because it costs more to provide care for children under the age of three or four, because of the the ratios that you need for staff to children, um, I think it's something like two or 2.1 children, to and below for every center-based slot available. So the reality is that there are a lot of families who are just providing care on their own. They've got family, friends who are providing care. Um, there are many, many women who can't be in the workforce right now. That's been exacerbated by the pandemic. We've heard a lot about the great resignation. And then the on the labor side of things, the average hourly wage for Ohio early educators in childcare settings is only $10 and 67 cents an hour. A single parent making like a single mother of two making only $15 an hour spends over half of her wages on childcare without enough left for for rent, utilities, et cetera. So there are a lot of, uh, a lot of hard choices and sacrifices that families are making, whether they have children or work in, in childcare, uh, 95% of the workforce, um, early childhood workforce in Ohio and 28% of that are black or African-American. So it is disproportionately a gender and, and racial equity issue. Yeah. And so some of that data was compiled by Groundwork Ohio to report on the state of the workforce in 2020. Um, and I can kind of go into some other data as, as we move along, but that's in a nutshell.
1: This is Carolyn Harding with Grassford, Ohio. And today I'm talking with Rita holleveld and Carissa Roberts, both with Child Care for All, the campaign, the DSA campaign that they're kicking off um, very shortly. And the program has four major objectives. Number one, puts kids first. Number two, values care workers. Three, is accountable and equity driven. Four, applies lessons from previous efforts in other cities. So, Carissa, let's talk about putting kids first.
2: Yeah, so um, expanding on what Rita was saying, we say that there's a lot of pressure for parents to be able to afford child care and that you know, the longer that they're out of the home, the less that that child has to spend within the family unit. Um, And also childcare workers who aren't paid very well to to perform this childcare work, then are having to work longer hours in order to live their own lives. And they don't have necessarily the bandwidth that they want to be able to provide to children. Um, And so we want to be able to provide a living wage for care workers um, and be able to provide childcare for all, for parents and for caretakers as a way to to help build security into the family unit as they're navigating raising their children and as the child is developing, because um, we know from what child's bodies go through is that these early years are especially critical in, in, in guiding the direction of their development and guiding, say, the orientation of their nervous system to the world around them. Um, We know there's epigenetic influences, um, where certain genes turn on and off based on environmental exposure. So we want to Put kids first because we recognize that the adults are facing a lot of pressure and aren't able to show up for kids in the way that even the adults want to. And so we want to be able to prioritize um, giving kids the opportunity to develop and to to feel nurtured and be nurtured. And in family units where the parents aren't experiencing these chronic stress factors of how do I make ends meet, how am I going to continue to afford this what what does, I mean, and even for people like me who don't have children, but are looking to want children in the future is how do I even begin to plan to afford that at some point in my life? And a lot of people make decisions just to simply not have children or not have as many children as they want because of these childcare expenses. And I think, you know, there's, we want to put children first because I don't think money is more important in this situation. And if there's a will, there's a way.
1: And I, I certainly think there's a way to do it. Um, it's and, first. And trying to build that will. All right. Number two, value, care, values, care workers. And you kind of covered that a little bit, but Rita.
0: Yeah. Um, so the the issue of, of care workers not being paid a living wage um, is part of what contributes to there being a 25% turnover rate in the field in Ohio. Um, that's incredibly high and that that also relates to stability for children. Okay. when they're constantly losing their caregivers, they don't have that stability of, of the person who's, who's caring for them on a regular basis, mm-hmm. which leads to various various traumas and difficulties and that can have have an impact down the road in terms of um, involvement in the criminal justice system. Um, so in terms of care workers really like to see, um, a living wage, which would be probably at least 15 or $16 an hour. Um, right now, early childhood providers make only about a third of what, um, kindergarten teachers, um, and like public education teachers make in the state. We'd love to bring that up to (laughs) parity if we possibly could, um, and so, well, it remains to be seen whether whether we're able to do that, but that's our goal. All right, number okay. three
1: is a, is accountable and equity driven. Carissa, yes.
2: Yeah, so we we recognize and we're we're committed to childcare as an issue because this is a frontier that impacts gender lines, that impacts racial lines, um, and that we. We want to we want to use our power in order to redistribute wealth in a kind of way that that says, like we're going to uplift everyone. And the the people who are most affected by this issue are disproportionately people of color um, and women and families. And that as a campaign, we're committed to sorry,
0: Rita. Can you go? Sure. Pick yeah. Up. Yeah. I think like so. There's like there's so many things that are involved in this, right? But one thing that we're really committed to is building a really diverse, um, a diverse coalition that takes into account the needs of of various, um, race groups and and different socioeconomic status in the area. Um, so that's that's why we're we're trying to do kind of our launch, which I think we'll probably talk about soon, um, a coalition conversation on on because we want to make sure that we have the voices of current child care providers as well as parents and those who are impacted the most strongly. Um, child childcare every year costs on average $12 in Franklin County. <laughs> can you year. say that again
1: you you kind of had a glitch
0: yeah um child care costs on average around twelve thousand dollars a year for a family like per child in in ohio um some areas of ohio might be a little bit lower but franklin county it's about twelve thousand dollars a year that's as much as college tuition and so so many families can't afford that
1: okay, okay. let's let's I'm sorry, go ahead, Chris. Oh, yeah, I'll add one
2: more point, which is that we're looking down the line to try to introduce a ballot initiative. And that through funding, um, we're trying to well, I don't should I even go into that, Rita?
1: Actually. Sure. Yeah, we'll go, like, go into we're gonna go into it eventually. And I'm I'm gonna ask you how you're gonna do it. So let's talk about it. Okay, yeah. all right. So
2: yeah, so we're looking at um, developing a ballot initiative um, and trying to raise money. We're looking at different revenue <laughs> options right now. Um, but one example would be through perhaps a property tax. Um, and so with that example, it would we're looking to redistribute some kind of income to child care. So looking at people say with higher property taxes would then contribute more to a system like this, where this, these funds are used um, to, to fund the childcare programs and fund the labor costs. And, um, and that, you know, if you're in a lower income bracket, or if you don't make a certain amount that then um, you're not needing to contribute as much to that. And so in that way, we're hoping to help redistribute some of that money as a society, and say, you know, we we want to prioritize childcare in this way, even if it doesn't necessarily directly impact my own
1: locale. So that directly impacts the equity driven aspect right. of your of your goals. And the last one that we were talking about is applies lessons from previous efforts in other cities. So um, Rita, can you tell us some of the other cities that have done this well? Yes. Or are um, doing it well. Doing- yeah, the one that, um, that we've taken
0: a lot of inspiration from and we're the most um, excited about. Can you hold up one moment, <laughs> Sorry, my child just came into the room, um, is, is Portland. Um, so Multnomah County now has um, the ballot initiative in November of 2020. And that's sort of our model that we're looking at um, where top 8% of earners um, are paying a higher income tax now. And that funds universal preschool uh, in in the entire county. So the Portland chapter of the DSA was really instrumental in getting this campaign going. And so they formed a really big coalition. There is a um, like a separate a separate body that was formed as as part of what was written into the legislation that passed um, that that is at the county level and they administer the program and have um, like a community oversight board that, that helps to ensure that everything is being followed and that it's equitable. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, hold, I'm gonna go on mute for a moment and maybe let,
1: let Carissa. Uh, Great. Finish. Carissa, are there any other cities besides Portland that are doing something?
2: Yeah, so we know in Dayton, they actually passed a ballot initiative in it um, for pre-K for all. And it didn't have a labor component or the living wage labor component. And it was, I believe, for ages three to four. But we know that in Dayton, it did pass and that voters there did want to see something like this. And I think Cincinnati had a similar measure as well um, that passed. And maybe Rita would be able to speak. On that, I'm not as familiar with the Cincinnati initiative, um, but certainly in Dayton, that gives us a lot of hope. Um, yeah. You know, certainly we're ambitious in in our project, but I think you know kids deserve it.
1: Oh so, yeah, and I was just going to ask you. My next question was, how will you go about getting this? So you are going to do a ballot initiative for the city of Columbus or for the county of Frank- Franklin County. So that is still to
0: be determined. Right now, we're, we're kind of finishing up sort of our research on what's going to be the most likely and most effective um, to get the most funds. And we're, we're leaning towards the, the city of Columbus um, because of that. Um, Ohio has some rules about how taxes can be raised. And this is most likely going to be funded by some kind of tax, either a property tax or an income tax. The income tax has to be done at the city level only, and we can put, and that has to be approved by voters. Um, so hence the ballot measure. Property taxes would be at the county level, and that has to be put on the ballot, like introduced by a county commissioner. Um, so it is not as, as much of a grassroots effort, and we're really hoping to just build the people power and keep this a grassroots effort. Um, by really like talking talking to voters um, and getting that going. But I think ultimately it will come down to how we can get the most money to fund it. And that'll that'll probably uh, be the driving factor on whether it'll be a city or county ballot initiative.
1: I would encourage you mm-hmm. to do both. I mean, at least really research both. We have a new county commissioner that's very pro-children. Um, that's Erica yes, Crawley. Erica Erica Crowley. Yes. And then yeah. the city of Columbus, They're they're going through a ballot initiative, kind of re, um, they're rethinking it and making it a little more difficult right (laughs) now. So, in fact, you all should be going to those meetings and making sure that that they're not making it too difficult for us to practice our right for initiative and referendum. So that's that's going on right now. And um, we know very well because I've done four ballot initiatives in the city of Columbus so it's important that we stay on it and we keep that right so that citizens can can enact law. But both both places should definitely be vetted in in complete ways. But it sounds like you've had some good examples ahead of you, which is really, really helpful in, in these other cities. Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so and- can you, I'm sorry. we got one more, couple more minutes. Can you tell us <laughs> about this event, this kickoff event where people can learn more information? Sure. So we have a Child Care for All
2: Coalition kickoff event taking place on Saturday, May 14th, from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Um, and it, the goal of that event is to introduce our campaign and what our campaign has done more in depth with coalition or potential coalition partners and to be able to engage with people and build that support um, and build truly a grassroots effort because Columbus Dsa can't and shouldn't do it alone. Um, no. And so you know we really want that in feedback from people and for people to be an active um, part in, in developing this project because certainly as you know as you were alluding to before, adaptability is going to be very important as we navigate um, trying to bring a successful campaign. Where is this event going to be? So we have, it's definitely going to be on Zoom. Um, and then we're also exploring an in-person hybrid option, which is going to be
1: at the Hilltop Library, I believe. Linda, The
2: Linden Library. Linden Library. Yeah. The Linden Library, pardon me.
1: OK, so can you give um, folks that are listening your um, website that they can find more information about this event and about your project?
0: Yes, it should be um, on the calendar at dsa.org. Our event should be on there, which includes the registration link um, via Zoom. And I don't know if you do show notes or anything, but um, if you do, then you can probably share, share the registration link um, through that
1: as well. But it should I be can on the calendar. It. I can yeah. definitely share it in my, all the um, promo info. Definitely. Wonderful. Real quick, what's your hope? in one sentence with this, this campaign. Let's start with you, Krissa. Oh, you're out again. We lost, lost sound. I'll Last jump in. Um, Go yeah,
0: in. My, my hope with this campaign is that we can really build a lot of power among those who really care about, about children and those who work in childcare or have children, but just really a, a grassroots power to make child care accessible and affordable for everyone.
2: Are you back,
1: Carissa? Am I back? Yes. You- yes.
2: All right. I hope to activate people here in Columbus to get engaged in something um, and get engaged here in this childcare effort because there are so many fronts in which it, it can help. And I want people to be able to channel um, maybe confusion that they might have into something actionable and concrete. And that's that's what we're hoping to do here here in Central Ohio.
1: And what you're doing can only help the children and help the parents who need it. And we also need a a higher minimum wage, don't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, not just care workers. No. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank Thank you you so so much much. for having us. All right. In addition to our Friday 5 p.m. broadcast on WGRN.org, Grassroot Ohio now airs on Sundays at 2 p.m. at WCRSFM.org in Columbus and at 4 p.m. on WEJPLP, Wheeling, Moundsville, West Virginia. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.